Um, but I've, I've gotten support from an organization uh, called Rebel Media. Does anyone know who that is? Yeah. So they're helping me with my court stuff, my lawyer stuff, through, through fightthefines.com. So thank you to them. My message today is an answer to a question that I've got over the last couple days. Now that we're here, now that the streets of Ottawa are filled with trucks and people, what do we do? Where do we go? What's the plan? We're not going anywhere. Let's go! That is true, we're not going anywhere. Which brings up one more housekeeping thing. So there's a fellow in the crowd today who has exercised a tremendous amount of courage and he's standing up for what he believes in and he came down here to speak a view that's opposing to ours. Now when people do that, it's important to remember that as Canadians, we don't have to agree with their view, but we need to be accepting to it. Let's so why don't we give that guy a round of applause and say thank you for Let's taking go. the courage to come down here and speak your opinion, even though you don't agree with us. Thank you. Thank you. And that brings me to what I wanted to speak about. What do we do and where do we go from here? Um, there's a sign here that says we will not be held hostage in our own city. And I agree with that 100%. Yep. I refuse to be held hostage in my own country yep. by a government yep. or any authority that is going to strip away, infringe, or remove my rights, freedoms, or privileges for any reason if they can't justify it. I refuse to be held hostage in my own province or in my own country. And that's why I'm here. That's why all of these truckers are here. And I want to remind you, a lot of the truckers that are here, that are, that are uh, participating in this demonstration, they're double or triple jab. They are not here for themselves. They're here because they look around and they see their friends and neighbors and their family members being discriminated against, being bullied. The Prime Minister, the leader of our country, is using words that encourage bullying and harassment and discrimination towards a group of Canadians. And it doesn't matter if that group is a minority or not. Since when is it acceptable in Canada to discriminate against anybody? That is never acceptable in my Canada or in your Canada. So where do we go from here? Kick him out! Kick him out! Put <laughs> you know! I hear a lot of kick him out. In politics, in government, kick him out, that's a long-term plan. Because I'll tell you right now, there is no piece of paper, no petition, no magic anything that you're going to hand the government or anybody in government, and it's going to change a damn thing with the government. And the reason for that is because our government is designed the structure is designed that the government stays in place even when things like this go on. I'll tell you what does make a difference though. When hundreds of thousands of people across Canada take it to the streets and there's a visual and an audible signal that Canadians have had enough. Yes! Our goal now, now that everybody has come together in unity towards a common goal, is to use that to encourage other Canadians to stand up from sea to shining sea. Because when we stand up as people, as citizens of Canada, we can make a difference. You don't need, you don't need one person to, to take a piece of paper and hand it to the Prime Minister on your behalf. 
You don't need a king or a queen. Every person in this crowd, you are your own king and queen, and you're showing that right now just by being here. And the more we can encourage people across Canada to do the same thing and take up this fight and stand up for the rights, the better chance we have of forcing the government to change their path. That's what this is about. It's about showing people that they're not alone. There's millions of Canadians over the last two years who have been told that they're a minority or fringe or a conspiracy theorist because they didn't believe in the restrictions. And those people are starting to be proven right. John Hopkins University just released a study that showed that the restrictions did more harm than good. It is crumbling. And it's up to us to keep this momentum going. And while we're doing that, we have to recognize that the impacts we make when we do it are, we, there are impacts. And some people don't agree. So we need to be conscious of that. We need to be conscious of the impacts we're making in this community. One thing that we've done uh, through an organization that I created last year, it's called WSFullSteamAhead.org, is we started something called Operation Snowman. Because Ottawa is about to get a big dump of snow. Who here has been in Ottawa when it snowed? I never have, but I've seen, I've seen it on the news and it's wild. So what we've done is we put out a call for people to bring us truckers. Sorry, I'm not a trucker, I'm a restaurateur. I just drove a trucker. To bring us shovels so that we can take care of the sidewalks because it's very unlikely that the city of Ottawa can do it. We want to make positive impacts in this community. We don't want to leave anybody behind. And we want to show Ottawa and show Canada that this is about compassion. It's not about annoying them or, or making... It, it's not about, about staying here until the Prime Minister just gives in to demands. It's about unifying a country to stand up as kings and queens over their own lives and say, we are Canada and we do not want this. Already, does anybody know what happened this morning? Aaron O'Toole has been ousted as the leader of the second team. Let's go! So I can tell you right now, from six months ago to what just happened this morning within the CPC, that is significant, very significant, because the tide is turning. Those men and women in there who you elected to represent you, to speak your voice in the house, the tide is turning, the wind is shifting, and they're starting to realize that Canadians don't want to live under this anymore. And they're speaking out, they need to be encouraged. And, and the way I would say you should encourage them, hand write letters. Because those handwritten letters are forever. If you take the time to write your MP a letter saying, you're giving me hope by standing up, they're gonna keep that. And I can tell you that, I can tell you that is a fact because I have a box of letters at home that people have written me saying the same thing. So take the time to encourage those that are standing out. Tell them that you don't want them to stop fighting. That's why I kept going. It's because people like you encouraged me. And you haven't stopped throughout this whole thing. There are those out there who are against everything I stand for. And they speak out and they call me all sorts of things, but it doesn't matter. Because I know that I'm on the right side of history. You can, you can feel it in the air. When you walk down this street at night 
and you see people smiling and dancing and shaking hands and hugging, that's what Canada is. Canada, Canadians are not a masked, fearful society who shame each other and ridicule each other. Canada is a loving, accepting country, which is why people from all over the world give up everything they have to come here. So Aaron O'Toole is out. His response to this, this whole thing was, well, let's just put vaccination clinics at truck stops. He may, may as well have said, let them eat cake. Completely out of touch with what this movement is about. And it is not about a vaccine mandate for truckers anymore. It is not about a mask. It's not about any of that. It's about Canadians unifying and saying we are going to stand under our charter rights and freedoms as free men and women, and you sure as hell better listen to us. So that's where we go from here. We encourage everybody we know we open dialogue with those who don't agree with us. I hope I get the opportunity to speak with that man today. I want to speak to people that disagree with me, and I want to share why I'm doing this. Because those, the people that disagree with us, we have common ground. We all want the same things. Safety, health, prosperity, right? Is that right? Yeah! And what we're seeing right now is we can have those things. We don't need to be subject to rules that don't make sense, never-ending restrictions, fear. We don't need that to be health, healthy, safe, and prosperous. All we need to do is understand that as Canadians, we all have the right to choose. Now, I'm sure there's some people asking, why is this burger flipper? from Alberta up there talking about rights. And I think I have a couple more minutes and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know why. When I first stood up and opened my restaurant, it was a do or die. It was I either bring people in my dining room and I start selling hamburgers and coffee or I shut the doors and lose my business and lose my home potentially. It was a matter of survival. When I did that, people noticed, they paid attention, they started supporting what I was doing and then they started sharing their stories. And sharing stories is so important. Now I'm gonna ask, I would encourage those who are around here in their, in their trucks to try and let, let's limit the noise we're making so we can start opening dialogue and sharing stories with each other. Because those stories are what motivated me to go to jail for what I believed in. Thank you! They lost their businesses. Their families were divided. They hadn't. They weren't able to, able to see their elderly relatives in long care uh, facilities, School. and they passed away without ever being helped by their family. Those are the stories that motivated me, and we need to start sharing those stories and sharing them with all Canadians, so that they know that no matter what their situation is, they are not alone, and we accept them. So that's where we go from here. This isn't about demanding something from Prime Minister Trudeau. This isn't about a magic piece of paper that dissolves the government. It's about uniting and igniting the country to stand up for themselves and give our government the visual and audible signals that they need to change path. When we do that, 
when we motivate our friends and neighbors, we will win. That's the way it goes. Especially with a liberal government. Because their decisions are not based on morality or ethics or what the right thing is. Their decisions are based on Power. the winds of public opinion. So when we change the winds of public opinion, that government in there will flip-flop like they've done dozens of times over the past few years. So that's my encouragement to you today. Engage those who disagree with you. Do it out of compassion. Don't do stuff out of anger and hate. Do what you're doing out of compassion and love, and we will absolutely end this, and we'll do it as a unified Canada. And we have about five minutes before the horns blow again, so we're gonna listen Check to some music here. Two. Good day to you all. All of, all of you that are showing up here for freedom. My name is Shane Phillips. I uh, was born and raised in a farm town called Fergus, Ontario. My parents met in Fergus and, um, you know, my dad worked in a factory for 25 years. He retired and on his retirement day, he passed away. Wow. And he did not come to this country for his children to be enslaved. He came to his, to this land, to the place he chose for all of us to be free, for all of us to live under one premise. One love, judge not. This song I'm gonna sing for you is dedicated to my mom and my dad. It's called Freedom. Please join in if you want. Daddy worked on a factory floor Pounding steel is a something more Working so proudly Paving his family's way And when he died A man he knew Said he worked for the two of you When they were unkindly Calling in every day You see, that's what my daddy gave up for me. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Growing up in a farming town, they laughed at me like a painted clown. The kids would deny my childhood blindly, you see. They were taught by a family tree Born of seeds where some men are free They were the men my 
Daddy stood up to for me. That's what my mama gave up for me. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom is urgency. That's what my daddy gave up for me. Freedom, freedom, freedom. a minute left before the horns start blowing and then I'm gonna just tape for a couple of minutes and then that'll end the live I know you won't be able to hear me so that's why I'm telling you this right now that's what my mama gave up for me. Freedom, 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 freedom is courtesy. That's what my daddy gave up for me. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Thank you, Canada.
Good afternoon. I'm Melanie Risden with the Western Standard. We're just uh, going to do uh, a live check-in right now in Ottawa. We're, we're going to Parliament Hill right now. We're going to check in with Chris Scott, who has been in, uh, in Ottawa since uh, the Freedom Convoy arrived. And uh, just looking to do a quick check-in with you, Scott. How's, uh, or sorry, Chris, how's, how's everything going? Uh, how's, how's the sentiment in Ottawa right now? Well, it, it's going really well. Uh, it's a really, really positive vibe everywhere I go. Uh, people are, it's unbelievable how people are coming together to, to make this thing a success. Like uh, we were just taking pictures of people pulling wagons with jerry cans of diesel, asking truckers if they need fuel. We get people coming up to our door and bringing us hot soup and coffee and, and, and things like that. So it's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. And you've been there since, uh, did you roll in on the weekend? Saturday, was it? I don't know. It's all a blur. When did we get here? I think we got here Friday. Yeah, we got here on the Friday. Yeah, I'm sure it has been a blur. So how, like, so I understand there were a, a horde of trucks and vehicles that came through on the weekend. Some have left now. But um, how many would you say have stuck around? Oh, that's a good question. Good I, question. I don't know. There's a few. There's a few streets still full of trucks. Uh, Wellington, which is just runs parallel to the parliamentary grounds, is almost full. Uh, there are some gaps in there for where guys have had to leave. Um, you know, it's uh, they have other commitments and and jobs coming up and stuff like that. So it's not as full as it was. But it's also too important to remember that there's hundreds of trucks uh, stationed outside of town that haven't been able to get in. So what happened was. Um, when we were pulling into town, the, the, the OPP had just started to put up barricades and roadblocks, uh, and they were basically directing or, or stopping traffic from going down Wellington. And then uh, they even started pulling graders and stuff across intersections downtown to stop trucks from uh, continuing to plug up the downtown core. So uh, a lot of those trucks that were in the convoy are outside of town. They've set up tents and shelters and food stations and they got clothing down there it, it's absolutely unbelievable and i just i can't stress enough how amazing it is the support that people have given this this group and it's not just people who came with them uh these are people from ontario and people who live in ottawa uh, that, that have really stepped up to make this a success mm -hmm. Now, speaking of support, I understand that the GoFundMe for the Freedom Convoy has now exceeded uh, $10 million, if I, if I have that correct? Uh, as far as I know, yeah. And uh, it's important to point out with that that I don't think I've ever seen any movement or especially a political one that's garnered that kind of support uh, ever. So $10 mm -hmm. million, a, a, a political party would be just beside themselves raising that much cash in that short of time, but it just doesn't happen. So that, that $10 million is a very, very significant measure of, of the amount of support that Canada is giving this cause. Chris, what's the game plan? What, how long are you there? What's, what's going to happen? Well, that's a good question. Um, so of, of course the end goal is to force the government or convince the government to end the COVID mandates and restrictions and get us back to a place in Canada where we're not divided by the, the country's leadership and, and we can start uh, getting back to uh, accepting each other's choices. So that's the ultimate goal is to, is to get rid of the mandates. Now, there are some who think that this is some sort of a, a blockade 
that's going to force the government to do something uh, to, to concede to the demands of this group um, and just drop the mandates. And and I, I really don't see it like that. The way I see this is this movement has basically, it's united Canada for sure, and it's ignited Canada. So now cities all over the province or all over the country uh, are doing the same thing. People are taking it to the streets. And what's happening is it's shifting it's shifting the winds of public opinion and it's showing the government in, in like a, a physical show that Canadians have had enough. So what I'm hoping to achieve with this is that get people encouraged, tell them they're not alone in their thoughts that this, what the government's doing is wrong and have mm -hmm. them stand up for themselves. Absolutely. And it, it, it seems that, the sentiment is carrying across the country. I know you you and I were sort of talking a little bit about what's happening in Alberta right now. There is a massive movement happening in Alberta right now beyond even uh, what's been happening at the Coots border since Saturday. Have you heard much about uh, what's going on there? Well, I just get information kind of off social media and from friends of mine that are down there. And what I've heard about the Coots demonstration is that you know, the, the, the legacy media has done a, a really good job at being legacy media in that they haven't really... Just one second, there's some horns going again. Mm -hmm. The horns might be going for a bit. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you. It must get loud around there. It certainly does, yeah. So what I was saying is that the, the legacy media, the, the mainstream media or the, the media party, some, as some call it, they, they've tried to spin both of these demonstrations as something they're not. So they keep calling the, the Coots thing a blockade. And uh, I know there's a lot of conflicting information out there, but the information that I'm getting from friends of mine who are down there is that uh, traffic is able to move. And I, I can't say 100% either way because I'm not there, but uh, it like everything I've seen, it's a very positive experience down there. Um, and, and people are, it's, it's encouraging that, that people are stepping up in both of these uh, types of demonstrations. Well, and, and to speak to that, yes. So in speaking with uh, the organizers in Coots at the, at the Coots blockade, they are calling it a blockade and, and they do want it to be made known that they are, that their plans are to disrupt traffic in the area. They do want to, uh, they feel like they, they have needed to, to make this stand and, and to make it, um, you know, uh, something that people people government uh will feel you know like that it will be making a statement um mm -hmm. because yeah i i think a lot of these people are feeling like they're not heard they're not being heard um and again you know i was just having a conversation with um one of the one of the fellas that's involved in another blockade that has been set up now this is a a blockade just north of um north of uh fort mcleod uh, on Highway Two, right on the old rat, Old Man River Bridge, and um, they are—they've set up there and they've kind of staggered the vehicles. So it sounds like, again, they're—you know—they are letting traffic through, but but very very slowly. Uh, mm -hmm. And and you know, the sentiment is, this is not about this is not about being pro 
a vaccine or anti-vaccine. Uh, he mentioned that a lot of people who have been participating and, and that are in these groups that, that are sort of sharing information and mobilizing on uh, these telegram groups and social media groups, a lot of the people are vaccinated, have chosen to be vaccinated, but are pro-choice and mm -hmm. believe that 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 it, it should be the right to choose. And so this is really, you know, they, they want to drive home that this is really about freedom. This is really about the freedom of choice versus being anti-vaccine. So, you know, I just want to clear clear that up too. But but um, I have heard from Staveley, uh, Grassy Lake, uh, Coaldale, um, sounds like they've got stuff happening near Red Deer. Um, I've just heard Brooks is coming on board with a blockade. Now, again, these are some of them are blockades. Some of them are considered what they call a slow roll or, right. a, you know, a slow roll convoy, which is, again, meant to disrupt um, traffic. And and really, the goal is is to make noise and, you know, to be heard and which is happening in Ottawa as well with all of the trucks that have come out there and are still waiting outside the city. So, so um, give me, give me another, um, tell me what have you guys been up to? What, um, you know, what do you guys do through the day? Well, I'm going to comment on what you said first here. Oh, that, sure. And that's a, that's a fair assessment. So I, I did say on our way out here and in the, in the days prior to leaving uh, for Ottawa from Mirror, that yes, this is going to inconvenience people. Uh, the people in Ottawa will be inconvenienced by their, you know, the traffic patterns being disrupted. It's going to be noisy. There's going to be a lot of people. So yes, it is absolutely an inconvenience. And it's the same thing with all the demonstrations happening across the country right now. And so there are people who they're le they're legitimately upset that they're being inconvenienced in their daily lives. And I I want I cannot stress enough that. No matter which side of the, the fence you're on, it's important to understand that there are people who have been inconvenienced or even worse in the last two years by the actions of our government. Um, and these inconveniences are far more impactful than just not being able to drive down a street. I mean, we're talking about people who have lost their businesses, who have lost loved ones, families that were unable to be with their, uh, their, their grandparents in their final days because of this. So everybody has been inconvenienced in one way or another in the last two years. And at the end of the day, it's a result of poor government policy. So when you're, when you're going through your, going about your life and you're inconvenienced by one of these things, I would just encourage people to understand why, why this is happening and why we're dealing with this inconvenience now. Um, it's not something that most of these people want to do. Probably none of them. I mean, and you're right. A lot of the people that are participating in these uh, demonstrations they are fully vaccinated even though i don't think that that's a, a proper term uh, and they're doing this because they see the inconvenience that's been happening to their friends and their neighbors over the last two years and they're saying it's enough so that's a uh, you know i just i just can't stress that enough that um it's not it's not that people are doing this out of spite or anger it's just that they realize it's time to take it to the streets because we are done with the inconvenience and the divide uh, that we've experienced in this country over the last two years. Yeah, and speaking of the inconvenience, I just interviewed uh, Josh Van Herk. Uh, he was somebody that I just spoke with who is uh, one of the people participating in the blockade just south, or sorry, just north of, of Fort McLeod. And uh, he is a truck 
company owner. So he owns a, a, a trucking company and has for 17 years. He said um, because of the mandates, he's lost three quarters of his drivers. So yeah. his, his business is struggling. So again, when we're talking about inconvenience, um, you know, I, I think, I think, I think the tough thing is for, for anyone who's chosen to be vaccinated, I think, you know, there, there may be, and this is not for everyone, because I do know that there are a lot of people participating in these, in these protests and the blockades and the rallies, the freedom fighters. I know Josh said he wanted to be called a freedom fighter, not a protester. So uh, Josh, I'll respect that. Um, but, but a lot of them have chosen to be vaccinated. And so again, this is not about pro or, pro, pro or anti-vax, but Right. But I think that for some people who have chosen to be vaccinated, it's almost like, you know, there there is no consequence anymore to them. You know, they, they have done what they felt was right for themselves or their families. Um, they have made the choice that they've made. Um, it has not impacted their ability to work. It has not impacted their ability to travel. Uh, it has not impacted um, a, a large portion of their life. Whereas for those who who choose to look at it as, as a, a freedom of choice, they have, um, you know, lost businesses, lost jobs, like you said, um, have not been able to see loved ones, uh, not been able to visit uh, care facilities or hospitals because um, of, their, of their choice to not be vaccinated. So yeah, when we're talking about how this has affected people's lives, um, I, I can understand the, that these, that these, freedom fighters, these protesters, uh, one of the blockade fellows that I spoke with um, over the weekend was saying, we know this is going to be an inconvenience for people. We completely understand that, but we have to take a stand now. It's, it's kind of that slippery slope where, um, you know, when we start to lose our, our rights to choose, you know, what's next, what, you know, it's the yeah. slope. So, and so yeah, go right. ahead. And the longer we wait, the harder it becomes. I, I, I said, and I'll say it again, if we had stood up last January when, when the restaurants and gyms and, and small businesses in Alberta did and the world was watching, we would very likely not be in this situation right now. At least that's my opinion. Um, so, yeah, there, there comes a time when you have to rip the Band-Aid off because those that have chosen to follow all the restrictions, all the rules, all the mandates, uh, got their jabs, they still can't participate in society. We still not can't fully, go to hockey not games. Not fully. Mm -hmm. Not fully, yeah. I mean, hockey, we, we, they can't go to hockey games. They've got arenas closed. Um, downtown in Ottawa here, you wouldn't believe how many businesses are shuttered. Like, there's a lot of businesses that went bankrupt because of these restrictions. And those people, they may never get a business their, their business back again. And some of those people, they chose to follow the restrictions and mandates that the government set forth. And yet they still suffered. So that's where we're at right now. It's, it's basically how long do you keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again and experiencing all this collateral damage before you have to look at what's happened and, and accept that there was a different path, there is a different path, and the quicker we get on that path, um, the less damage we're going to inflict on Canadians. We've got uh, some comments coming in here. Uh, excellent job, Chris. Hold the line, boys, says Kila. Uh, another fella, Roy, says, uh, thank you, Trucks, and everyone participating. Uh, Frederick says, it's time to kick out Trudeau now. So with this, you know, petition in Ottawa uh, on par Parliament Hill, um, can you speak to the response that we have seen from Trudeau, so from our Prime Minister? Which petition are we referring to? 
Well, I, I mean the, the 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 petition for the mandates, meaning the whole freedom convoy. The you know petitioning for the mandates to be to be dropped. Uh, so not not necessarily a circulating petition, but I just mean what what the uh, what the goal is of the of the freedom convoy. Can you speak well, to to um, our prime minister's response? So it's basically fallen on deaf ears, and what's happened after that is. Um, the, the mainstream media, the legacy media, has failed to do their jobs with journalistic integrity. And they're not telling both sides of the story. And they're, they're, they're acting as, in, in my opinion, they're acting as a propaganda arm to the federal government. So when, when we see stuff in the news about this in, in the mainstream news, um, it doesn't reflect, it doesn't reflect the, the, how monumental that it, this is, uh, the fact that it's unified Canadians and and uh, encourage people to actually have dialogue about this it's more about almost everything i've seen ends with and just get your vaccine so it's really fallen on deaf ears and the only media that that bothers to try and tell both sides of the story are the independents so i guess i'll say thank you to the western standard because you guys do a very good job of that and as a matter of fact i'm sure you already know that i have a, a um a small relationship with the western standard where They've offered my viewers a three-month free subscription by subscribing at Friends of the Whistle Stop. Um, so that's amazing. And it's important because if the media had been doing their jobs and telling both sides of the story, um, this would be we would be in a different spot right now. We mm. really would. And, and the fact that our, our prime minister, instead of acknowledging the fact that Canadians are unified in their desire to get rid of these mandates, he's focusing on a single flag that I didn't see personally, by the way, um, or a, a couple incidents of people possibly doing things that they didn't really understand that they had a, a bad public perception. He focuses on those and he calls these, the, the group of people here, racists and xenophobes. And um, he says that they're, what was it? Their opinions. Yeah. Misogynist. And that their opinions aren't, what did he say? Oh, I try and scrub that not, stuff out of my mind. They're not acceptable. Yeah, they're, yeah, their they're opinions not, they're are unacceptable. Yeah. A fringe minority. And since when in Canada has it ever been acceptable to tell a minority group, no matter what the group is, that their views and opinions are unacceptable? That is the most un-Canadian thing I've ever heard. So I don't believe this is about petitioning the Trudeau government to to drop the mandates. I believe that this is about continuing... To, to build on this momentum and igniting and uniting more Canadians to stand up and say, we've had enough. Those that feel like maybe they'll be persecuted for their views. Um, they need to get, they need to get visible and they need to be heard because the only way this changes is if, if uh, the, the, the government's perception of the public shifts. And as you've seen in the past, the liberal government, it doesn't matter what the, what the situation is or what the, uh, the issue is they will flip-flop. Um, they'll go from the sky is blue one day to the sky is green the next day if they think that that's what the public wants to hear. So this is about getting loud. And and what I, and speaking of loud. <laughs> and speaking of loud. <laughs> yeah, yes. so, so when I when I decided I was going to get behind this convoy and, and join them and drive a truck out here to Ottawa, that was the aha moment for me. For two years, Canadians have been waiting for something to get behind or something to, to pave the way so mm -hmm. that they can stand up and speak their minds 
and know that there are millions of people standing with them. And this is that moment. So I don't believe that uh, there, there's been so much information and so many groups trying to say, oh, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to get rid of the government. We're going to overthrow the government by everybody signing this piece of paper. It doesn't work like that. That's not what, that's not how Canada works. It never has. Petitions rarely make any difference. They, they potentially uh, allow your MP or your MLA to speak on an issue for a certain period of time in the House. That's what a petition does. And that's, that's like a, that's a government thing. This is a people thing. And at the end of the day, people have all the power and things like this are bringing it to light uh, to those that don't know that. So that, that's what this is about. It's the power of the people, not the power of a petition. It is. I've got a comment here from somebody saying that uh, the Coots truckers have negotiated, and I don't know if you've heard of this, and, and we're still waiting to, to have um, you know, full confirmation of this, but Coots truckers negotiating with 30 MLAs to drop the mandates and restrictions here. Um, looks like the MLAs are going to be uh, meeting with government officials today. <laughs> So uh, we're, we're obviously going to um, sort of keep our eyes and ears on, on that and update uh, people as, as quickly as we can. Um, you know, lots of, lots of uh, response here from people um, just really thanking truckers, thanking you, Chris, for, for being out there, for, uh, you know, stepping up. Um, so well said, someone says, thank you, uh, let Chris talk instead. So, hey, I'm I'm happy to let Chris talk. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Chris, you had mentioned that you're where you're parked, where you're staying there. Um, you're about a five minute walk, you said, from Parliament Hill. Uh, yeah, and, and, and 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 things hopefully aren't minus thirty still there. Uh, it's oh, it's a beautiful a day. I think it's like oh, it zero or something. Oh, it's plus four. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's quite warm now. Now we've got a lawyer. I'm just going to make sure. Uh, do we do we have um, Chad? We don't have Chad right now. Okay, so we'll, we 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 were going to touch base with the lawyer. So I thought maybe I would coordinate it where you walk over to Parliament Hill. Are you are you interested in going for a walk and just showing us the sights of what you're seeing? Yeah, uh, I, I nearby should, you. I probably should go for a walk because there's people have been bringing us donuts for days, and uh, <laughs> it's it's important to go for walks. So, so having said that, I know uh, I've seen a lot of mainstream media reporting that um, people in Ottawa are fed up. Y it, the sentiment that you're getting and hearing and the response that you're seeing from people seems a bit different. Well, okay, so it would be completely disingenuous to say that everybody in Ottawa is uh, supportive of this. Mm -hmm. um, this, it's, you, you can't by any measure say that this type of thing um, would make everybody in a, a city happy. It of absolutely course. won't. And as a matter of fact, there's a Starbucks where I'm parked and I went in there to grab a coffee and I said to the young lady behind the counter, I said, Hey, you know, sorry about all the noise. Um, you know, or what do you, what do you think of all this? And she said, well, we, we haven't been able to work in two days because of this. And she was cranky. She was visibly upset. And mm -hmm. I get it. There's horns blaring. There's trucks in the streets. There's a lot of people. It, it, it really is. People get upset with that. I, I totally understand. And I didn't say anything at the time, but I really wish I had mentioned, like, I'm sorry for that you haven't been able to work for a couple of days, but I haven't been able to operate my, my restaurant for almost two years, at least in the capacity that it needs to operate in order to stay in business. And that's what this is all about. There are people in this town that are angry. 
the mayor is like he does not like us at all. Um, the the police are very friendly, um, and yeah, the reception for this isn't all positive for sure. But I said this before: people don't get involved in things generally unless it affects them personally. And now this is affecting a lot more people than it, it did in the past. And at the very least, it's opened up the it's opened up dialogue like the the opportunity i had to speak with the young lady and it was a missed opportunity but i won't i won't make that mistake again it's it's opened up that dialogue so we can start saying hey i'm really sorry that you're being inconvenienced by what's happening here but this is why we're doing it and this is the inconveniences we've seen so please when you're getting frustrated and angry because you're hearing horns please remember that there are people out there who have literally lost loved ones um lost careers lost the opportunity to play in the nhl like the list goes on and on and on so yes there are people in ottawa who 100 are upset with this and i get it but we we have to look at that as an opportunity um to have conversations with people uh, did you by any chance get a chance to see the um the tucker carlson rant that uh he did for about 17 minutes uh not last night but the night before uh, was it about Prime justin Minister? trudeau mm -hmm. i caught a little bit of it and then my phone started ringing and it didn't quit till i fell asleep but uh yeah that's that's important that there are people like tucker carlson and uh there there's actually a lot of them in the states that have watched what the leader of our country is doing how he's I'm talking about yes. his, his countrymen and women, and they think it's disgusting, and they are hammering on him as they should, because even our brothers and sisters to the South, uh, they've been going through the same things, but they, I don't think they've really been subject to a leader that's treated them that quite that bad. Uh, yeah, I think I think the sentiment there is that um, that there is, you know, especially with the leader of a, of, of a nation as large and you know, um, prominent as Canada, that you would, you would have some diplomacy, uh, especially in your language. So uh, I think, and, and I'm not sure if you had a chance to see the interview that, um, that I did with Justin Trudeau's half-brother, uh, Kyle Kemper, who basically agreed and said the same thing. This is, this is uh, sort of a, a really awful way to be speaking as a leader of a nation when you are talking about your own your own citizens when you're you know and yeah. and and when you're talking about um you know some of the verbiage that has been used to describe some of the protests and some of the um, activity that's been happening in ottawa i mean the the footage that i've watched and the 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 pictures and the video show you know, you can see Canadian flags for miles, uh, and and w the one-off flag of of uh, you know a Confederate flag or a, a Nazi flag. I mean, I'm sure. Have you seen very many of those types of flags flying there? Because what what seems what seems interesting to me interesting to me is the hyper focus that comes of that one-off sort of bad seed or or the handful of bad seeds yeah. that 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 perhaps show up in in poor taste but but to 
label the entire movement and everybody's uh, everybody that's there on Parliament Hill as being of like mind with somebody who would carry a, a flag with the Nazi symbol on it seems uh, it just seems so far fetched. Well, let's uh, let's compare this to something else. So I guess in order. F- oh, and this brings up another point. In order for the Liberal government to paint this entire movement with that brush because somebody brought a hate symbol into the mix, uh, which I know I didn't see it. Uh, I haven't seen a Confederate flag. I haven't seen any swastikas or any hate symbols at all. Um, there is one flag that I've seen a lot of, and I don't understand what it means. It's a black flag, and it says F Maple Leaf CK Trudeau, but mm-hmm. I don't get it. Like, it's not even a word. It's, I don't know, maybe somebody will explain it to me. But well, other than that, I haven't seen any derogatory flags. And if the Liberal government's going to use those examples to paint everybody here as racists and xenophobes, and keeping in mind that there are people of all races, backgrounds, colors, genders, political stances here, uh, it's not just uh, one race, then they have to basically call the entire Liberal Party racists. Because their leader, Justin Trudeau, um, on multiple occasions has presented himself in blackface. Mm-hmm. And that is a horrendously racist thing to do. Um, maybe, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, it may have been kind of, yeah, there you go. It may have been, you know, just a comical thing and nobody really was offended by it, but that has changed. And it's the same thing with the Confederate flag. At one point, that flag was used to represent uh, a certain ideology that didn't really have anything to do with racism. But the, the image was hijacked by a group that held values that differ from ours and, and in which they're not inclusive and and they do they don't like other races. So now we're in a position where we have to be very careful on what symbols we use because they've been associated with that. So it could have possibly been just somebody who likes the flag and didn't intend it to be a, a racist symbol. However, um, yes. In things like this, it's important to use proper judgment and make sure that we're not presenting the wrong image, just like our prime minister. And I want to point out that uh, Arnold Beerson, the MP for uh, Peace River, yes, yeah, for Peace River in Alberta, he raised a motion in the House. This it was, I think, it was this morning, and the motion was: Will the House condemn the use of blackface? And why not? It's a horrendously racist thing to do. We don't want to see people running around in blackface. It's it's a very poor image uh, of of uh, you know it's it it doesn't scream accept of acceptance and inclusiveness. And the entire Liberal Caucus voted no. They refused to condemn blackface. And now that really drives home my point. Our the Trudeau government, the Liberal government, does not uh, push policy or bring in laws with anything to do with ethics or morality or, or, or doing what's right, they do what they think is they're going is going to make them win. And they know if they pass that motion condemning blackface, it would cause them problems because their own leader has participated in those actions. So, And it's the same with the COVID restrictions. They're not doing this because they believe it's an ethical or a moral or a right thing to do. They're doing it because they believe that it's what they need to do to win. And I had a conversation with Mr. Beerson and I, and I told him the message that I'd like to get into the House is that RMPs, they better stop worrying about chasing the polls and chasing votes, and they better start standing up and doing what's right, regardless of whether or not it, 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 people get upset with them. Because 
we remember that. And we are going to remember that when everything to do with COVID is done. We're going to look back and we're going to remember the men and women who stood up and did what's right. Because when, when these court challenges get through, when the Supreme Court is done with all this stuff, it's the truth is going to come out that what's happened was unethical, immoral, and it caused more harm than good. And it had nothing to do with benefiting the people of Canada. So now is the time for those MPs. And I'm not talking about just conservative or uh, liberal or bloc or NDP. I'm talking about all of them as individuals standing up for what's right and doing the right thing because we're going to remember it. You know, Chris, interesting, talking about the symbolism, some of the symbolism that has been used, uh, and, and I think a lot a lot of people would agree that, um, you know, using a Nazi flag as sim- the symbol, even just the symbol, or the Confederate flag is, is in poor taste. I don't it deny is. that at all. Uh, a, a lot of people, and, and the, but the way it's been perceived, you know, I had a conversation with a group of people very recently, and we were talking about this. We were saying, you know, why would somebody come to something like this, talking about freedom and bring a Nazi flag? And, and you know, I mean, this is all hypothesis, but I, I would suspect I would think that what they are displaying by bringing a Nazi flag, which I don't agree with, I'll go on the record right now. I don't agree with with carrying that in in any way to to get a point across. But I I feel like um, our hypothesis was that perhaps that the display is showing what they feel our country is becoming the the path and and i get it again a lot of people have been very offended by that because i mean when you're comparing what canadians are facing right now to what happened in nazi Germ- germany with the jews i mean there's there's no comparison and for the record i agree with that as well i you know i'm i i would never want to to compare the two but i feel like the sentiment is people are saying we are becoming this fascist communist place and um, and our rights are being eroded as was witnessed in those times. And so, you know, the, the display of a Nazi flag is not, it, it, you know, and again, hypothesis, but it was not necessarily, um, uh, you know, uh, an attack on Canada or, or, or supporting of Nazi ideology or movement. It, it was more so to to, to symbolize where they feel that our country is going. So I understand that, again, I, I, I don't feel that it's a great comparison, and I also feel like it is, um, it, it is very disrespectful. Uh, but that, I think, is the sentiment. People really are feeling like we are sliding down a slippery slope, as we were talking about earlier. So, uh, so yeah. I just wanted to, to mention that I... I I've had conversations around with this with many people, and I've heard similar feelings from a lot of people. Well, you know, that that could be it. It, it absolutely could be. I and the other the other potential, uh, it, it could also be somebody brought that in here to make this look like that. I don't sure. know. And, and to I, be I, antagonistic. I yes, absolutely. It, it's entirely possible and it's it's plausible and it's probable, but I don't know for sure. Um, I wish I had seen that because if I had seen that, I would have approached that person and had a conversation with them and asked them. Likewise. And I would have, I would have given them my opinion that that was in poor taste. And, and I would have probably more used words like, you know what, that's really stupid. You shouldn't be doing that because no matter what you think of that, what you're showing other people 
uh, has the potential to derail an otherwise mm. genuine movement, right? Exactly. And there, you know, this this is not what happened in in Nazi Germany to the to the Jews, and actually not just the Jews, other races uh, as well, was horrendous. And this is not that. No. But there are a lot of parallels, and the parallels are more in the structure and the mechanisms that were u- that were used to accomplish that those heinous acts and and the mechanisms were um a leader who rallied a country by using the media and and forcing not forcing but convincing the people of the country to fight amongst each other by segregating them uh telling them it was okay to bully their neighbors and, and basically basically swaying the public's opinion to pit them against another group, a, a minority group. And and no, this isn't like that, as in the government's not rounding up people in rail cars and sending them to their death. But the government is absolutely using the media to make people fight amongst each other. And I really believe that part of the reason for that is... Uh, it's become quite apparent over the last few months that our healthcare system has been mismanaged. Like it's, it's horrible. The mismanagement that's happened. And this is not just an Alberta thing. It is a countrywide thing. Um, you look at the stats for the Ontario uh, health and from the Ontario health authority. And it shows that our, their hospitals have been overwhelmed at numerous times throughout the last 30 years. It happens because the government has failed to keep those providing health services accountable. And now we're in a position where, uh, those those organizations or the government has to either acknowledge that they've failed to exercise pro- exercise proper oversight on these uh, organizations providing health care, and that's what this problem is, or they convince people that it's a minority group's fault and they let society bully those people and blame them for it. And you can see that in some of Premier Kenny's uh, words that he uses, like a problem of the unvaccinated, or, you know, you'll get your rights back if the unvaccinated just get vaccinated. Those things cause division and they cause people to fight. And it takes the spotlight off the government's failings and off the health services providers' failings. And if we, if we, can, if we can see what they're doing and continue to focus on what the real problem is, we will be in a way, way better place. Because Canadians are starting to wake up to the fact that uh, the government is using the media, uh, the ones that are that are eating at the trough of the Canadian media fund. They are using them to promote their ideology and agenda, and they've had enough. And you see that in uh, in independent media subscriptions like the Western Standard and Rebel Media and Todayville and 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 uh, what's the Epoch Times like? Epoch, yeah. Their their subscriptions are going through the roof because Canadians are not stupid, and they know what's being done to them. They're paying attention to history, and they're not going to let history repeat itself. So, well, I don't it's remember what the question bring... was. But... <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring that up, too, when we're talking about how the spin or, or how the media has been covering this. There's been, I mean, I'm sure you've heard, uh, uh, I believe it was yesterday, Jason Kenney came forward with a statement, uh, a public statement saying that... Um, uh, police officers uh, or RCMP officers at the blockade had been assaulted and that there was um, 
there, he didn't go into detail, but there was some sort of a ramming incident that um, that led to uh, an accident. Uh, and and however, what has what has become known to us and and has been admitted by the RCMP is that there was no assault. There was no assault on any officers. Now the RCMP at to this point, I haven't seen yet. The RCMP have not come out with a statement um, kind of refuting what the premier has said, which to me is it's sort of shocking because I feel like in any other circumstance, if the RCMP was, was identified as being involved in something that wasn't, wasn't factual, I feel like there would have been a statement released. However, nothing's been released. Uh, so that's well, got a lot of people frustrated. We've had, I have had so many people emailing me saying, what's the situation with this? Did this really happen? Were people assaulted? There was no assault on, on RCMP officers by anyone from the, the blockade, from anyone in Coots. Uh, and that, you know, and so uh, I think Kenny is is going to need to make a public retraction of that because let let's be honest oh, yeah. uh, the statement of the, like i have to say the statement of of accusing um anyone of of attacking uh, our authorities a, a police officer an rcmp officer uh whichever that is that is a a, a huge allegation and that needs to be retracted if it's become known that that is not what happened. Now, who knows, perhaps Kenny was given some faulty information. And, and if that's the case, that's fine. But I think, I think we need to be hearing from it and it needs to be as public of a retraction as it was an announcement claiming that there was, uh, you know, that there was an assault against RCMP officers. Well, you know, that doesn't happen with Premier Kenny. And if there's one thing I've learned about that man is that he lies. He's lied to us numerous times, and so has his, uh, you know, the, the chief medical officer of health. Um, those involved in his close circles, they have lied to us on numerous occasions. We've caught them in that. The Western Standard has done a great job of uh, keeping them accountable to the people. And what I've seen after that happening is there is very, it's very few times where he actually issues a retraction. Um, he's said things about me, not using my name, but using people, the, the groups that I'm in, uh, and he's accused us of doing things like being super spreaders. Now, there is zero evidence to support that. Uh, I've never had any issues in all of the things that we've done at the Whistle Stop Cafe, and we've had, like, believe it or not, thousands and thousands and thousands of people through that little cafe in, in, in weekends. Um, he, he's lied about numerous things. The chief, the chief medical officer of, officer of health lied about a 14-year-old boy dying of, can uh, of uh, COVID. They lied about an infant dying of COVID. And these lies just keep piling up and piling up and piling up. So when I hear Jason Kenney speak now, um, if he says he's going to do one thing, I know he's going to do the other. And if he's saying that there was an assault on RCMP, I know that there wasn't an assault on RCMP because it's going to come out in a week or two that that didn't happen. And another thing that's important to remember is that these demonstrations Everybody has a cell phone and everything's being recorded from every angle for every minute of every day. I walk down the street and I do a live stream and it's nothing but a sea of people doing live streams in front of me. So if something like that did happen, there will be evidence. There will be evidence of it. There'll be video evidence. No question. Um, but why, why would he do that? Why would he say that 
these violent acts are happening and this is a it's a bad nature protest because he doesn't like it. He doesn't like these protests and these demonstrations because it's making his government look terrible. I've made his government look terrible and I'm just some guy that has a cafe. But I ended up uh, going to jail because I protested and I got sentenced. I got big fines. Um, I had a compelled speech thing. They tried to say I couldn't leave Alberta and um, uh, I'm on probation. And the judge told me that I needed to follow the science. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start following the science. So I've interviewed people like Dr. Peter McCullough. Um, I've interviewed uh, Dr. Roger Atkinson. I've interviewed uh, the Honorable Brian Peckford. Um, I've, I've gone right to the horse's mouth to get the information that we need to make uh, proper decisions. But our government hasn't done that. Our government is just pushing the same agenda they have over and over and over again and trying to force us to do things that have failed in the past over and over and over again without actually following the science. So the silver lining to this is that people like me have been put in a, in a position where we have to go find that information for ourselves. And when we do, I, I think about what our premier has said and what our health authority has said, and it doesn't fit. So either they are terribly misinformed and whatever experts they're talking to shouldn't have their jobs or they're lying. And either way, uh, it's a terrible, terrible thing to have uh, rampant in your government, especially when they're trying to tell you that you have to do something to your body that other doctors are speaking out against in order to be a full member of society. Uh, Chris, Cheryl has a comment here. Chris, uh, I loved your idea from the other night about only honking and making noise from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for Ottawa area residents. So maybe... We can uh, take a moment to just remind uh, even some of the truckers in the convoys, uh, anyone in the blockades, people in Ottawa uh, that are watching. Um, yeah, these 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 poor area residents do need to live through through this as well. So, um, you know, your your suggestion was uh, just to kind of keep the honking during the day. Correct. Yeah. And that and that's my suggestion. I, ne I do need to point out that I'm not an organizer. Um, I don't have any authority over anybody here. Uh, I'm not a leader or anything like that. So these are just my suggestions because I'm trying to navigate this just like everybody else. And I see a path that we need to take to achieve our goal. And part of the path, in my opinion, is that we need to, we need to keep as many friends as we can. We don't want to make enemies out of people who may be sympathetic to our cause, um, but become our enemies because, because of honking. I mean, we're here. Mm -hmm. People That's know right. we're here. Uh, and and we, we we're making noise and we're very visible. So that's my suggestion. And I'm certainly not going to I'm, I'm not going to tell people what to do, but that's what I'm doing. That's that's what I can do myself personally mm -hmm. to try and reduce the impact on those around. Uh, Susan says full steam ahead, Chris. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, another comment here. Uh, could someone put a human rights complaint against Trudeau for hate speech. Uh, I, I wanted to mention this one from Clive because I have seen numerous uh, comments from, from our viewers right now that are saying the same thing. How is this not being considered hate speech? How, how is he not up on hate yeah. speech? I mean, this is, these are public statements being said, as you said, to a minority. So um, yeah, and, and, our, and the pre Premier Kenny has done the same things. Like they're both guilty of the same thing. And I don't mean guilty as in we've gone through court and they've been pronounced guilty, but public opinion, public perception has them guilty of uh, of some type of hate speech. 
And mm-hmm. you mentioned, you said full steam ahead. So my organization, wsfullsteamahead.org, um, we li- like we really, really want to do something that even even if tomorrow the mandates are lifted, there's still the potential for it to happen again, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not a one and done. So we've decided that we want to build our membership and become a voice powerful enough that we can actually influence policy and, and educate people as to why certain policies are, are great and why others are dangerous to, to Albertans or Canadians. In addition, we also originally wanted to help people who were getting fired because of the, the mandate um, to file a claim against their employer and uh, get them into court so that they could get some sort of remedy. And we realized after we had floods of emails, there are thousands upon thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of, of people in Canada who are affected by that mandate. So we sat down as a board and we discussed this and we came to the conclusion that we're not going to actually do that. What we're going to do is we are going to file a claim against the PMO and any of these other government officials who have are responsible for implementing these measures without proper justification, without the science to back it up. And we are going to open this claim up to every person in Canada who has been affected by these mandates. So basically what we're saying is, Yes, there are 100% human rights violations. There's charter violations. There's all sorts of things that have been pushed on Canadians that are should have never happened. And we want to open this up to not only the individuals who have been fired from their employers, but also those employers who have been forced to implement those mandates. Because at the end of the day, I don't think any of these, well, I should, I'm going to, I'm going to change that. Very few of the employers or big companies that have implemented those mandates want to do that because the number one resource that we have in Canada, the most valuable resource we have is labor. And when you do a, put a mandate like that in, you shoot yourself in the foot and you're, you're killing your, 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 your taking away from your labor pool. So if you, if you take it, let's take a federal carrier that had to implement a vax mandate because the Trudeau government said you're federally regulated. Everybody has to be vaccinated. Now they're forced to fire some workers. They're forced to tell their contractors they have to fire workers if they're not vaccinated. All of those people have been victimized by a government that implemented mandates without justification. And they will all be, uh, they'll all be plaintiffs in this. So mm. that's what we want to do. And I'm glad you brought up that human rights things because that human rights thing, because in the last, well, as long as I've been alive, Human rights issues have always been paramount in Canada. And it's because we, Canada is accepting, inclusive, and, and we don't like that kind of segregation and division. So, yes, absolutely, 100%. Uh, there are people like me and organizations like mine who are working on that stuff. But it is not a quick fix. I mean, we're, we're talking Supreme Court stuff, right? And when you look at Supreme Court matters, it's, it's years, five years, six years, seven, ten years. It's a long time. So in the meantime, movements like this that unite Canadians to stand up for their rights and tell the government that, no, we're not going to submit to these uh, divisive and um, uninclusive policies. This is what is important to help right now at this minute. Well, I've got uh, Jade, who's made a comment here. If these mandates stay, then they will mandate things like euthanasia, sterilization. They will mandate every new vaccine. It will never end. So it's time to say no. Now, uh, Chris, 
uh, have a suggestion if you're willing. Uh, what are your thoughts on perhaps you uh, walking down to the Parliament buildings and just uh, you know being able to give us a a view of what's going down going on down there right now? Uh, and then I'm just going to do a quick check in while you're walking down there, uh, and we're going to find out um, check in with our uh, our reporter James down in Coots and just uh, and see if there's anything happening there. And then you can just relink in with us once you get to uh, the Parliament buildings, and uh, we can we can have a live look at uh, at what things are looking like in Ottawa right now. How's that? Yeah, it, it'd be my pleasure. I've, I'm actually uh, looking forward to going down there and seeing what's going on because there's there is literally people dancing in the streets for the last few days here. It's amazing. Well, we would like to see that. So, so yeah, if you're if you're open to that, um, we can you can disconnect with us now. Once you get down there, just click the link back and uh, and we'll jump back in with you. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That would be awesome. Thanks so much for speaking with us. We've had uh, a lot of people just uh, sending their well wishes to you, their prayers to you, and uh, and thanking you for what you're doing there, Chris, and and what you've been doing throughout the entire pandemic, uh, standing up for choice and for freedom. So a lot of thank yous here uh, from from the viewers. So thanks again. We'll we'll talk to you in a few. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right, so it sounds like we have got James Finkbeiner on uh, on sort of standby right now, uh, and we're going to check in with James and just see uh, how things are going. Now, last I heard, James, uh, sorry if you've been waiting for a bit. Uh, is it still really cold down there? Is it warming oh, up at all? It is, it is absolutely terrible. The wind has picked up. It is probably the coldest it's been. Uh, the temperature is a little bit warmer, but the wind is, the wind is just awful right now. Mm. So you, it looks like you're, um, well, you're at the blockade and is it, is it, what's going on right now? I know that the lawyers are there. They were going to speak with us, but they've gone into a meeting. Um, what's happening right now? Yeah. So, uh, the lawyers are still keeping communication open between, uh, the, the protesters and, uh, right behind me here is actually where the, uh, the main stoppage was. This was where the original blockade happened. Um, I'm going to flip my camera around and show you guys around a little bit here. Uh, sorry, just bear with me. Mm -hmm. So uh, right here, this is where the, uh, the, the main blockade was originally uh, taking place. And uh, as you can see, most of the vehicles have cleared out of here. Uh, over the last couple of hours, uh, everybody's kind of hopped back into their units. They've started moving stuff out. There's uh, an open lane now in both directions. Um, they're, they're still kind of shifting vehicles around, but there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, this RCMP vehicle and uh, this black truck here actually just had a bit of a fender bender. Uh, I don't think they could see around one of the trucks. So, I mean, that's just one of the things, right? It, it, it's part of a situation when you have the highway blocked like that, you know, things are dangerous and, and accidents can happen. And, and I think that's part of, uh, part of what happened today is I think people started to realize that uh, after, after five days and, um, and uh, the, amount, the amount of people here, the amount of equipment, the amount of driving, that uh, you know, things can't stay safe forever. And uh, you know, part of the, the, the community came in, uh, some of the locals, and uh, said to the truck drivers, they said, you know, if we keep this up, things are gonna get dangerous. Somebody's gonna get hurt. We don't want anybody to get hurt. What we want here is a peaceful protest. We uh, we want our government to listen to us, and uh, they're starting to listen to us. 
So, so that I'm clear, I understand that they've opened up a lane, but nobody has left. Is that right? Like they've just sort of cleared um, the opportunity for people to get through more now, one lane in each direction, but nobody is planning to leave um, until we see where things go with speaking with the MLAs. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, all of the trucks have pulled over to the, to the shoulder. They've left one lane open. Uh, they'll pull over for further. Um, they just want to see what the MLAs come back with. So uh, they're, they're in communication with, uh, with some of the MLAs. They're just waiting for an update. Uh, what they've said is that if the MLAs either don't come back to them or don't open a dialogue with them, that they can shut this highway back down again within a matter of minutes. And so uh, the, are the lawyers uh, participating in the chat with the MLAs? Are the, did I understand that the MLAs are actually coming down to Coots border or what? Uh, uh, you know, it, it was originally said that, uh, that some of the MLAs were coming down. Um, obviously they want to remain anonymous right now while they work things behind the scene. There's actually some uh, area town councillors here as well. Uh, they've asked to remain anonymous just while they're helping facilitate discussions. Uh, there's some of the original Farmers for Justice people here that are helping with negotiations between the truckers, the MLAs, uh, reaching out to their contacts from over the years. Uh, you know, you, you're in a fairly politically active area. You've got a lot of a lot of politically active farmers, and uh, and, and and they're all they're all working the phones right now. They're all coming up with a solution. I think I think everybody here has kind of got. Uh, one goal in mind they they want they want uh the the kenny government and and the trudeau government to listen to them to to take their concerns um and to heart uh, and uh and and i think everybody's starting to realize that uh ultimatums just aren't going to work from either side and and i think we're going to see some more progress here today uh, you know, I and I'm sure you've heard we we put a story out on it just a little while ago. There are numerous they're calling them sort of pop up um, slow roll convoys, numerous pop up blockades that are happening and just spreading across Alberta right now. Um, I spoke with a couple of people, one a municipal councillor who did not want to share his name, uh, referencing, um, you know, how much flack. Uh, the uh, Grant Hunter has has received from from making his stand. So so I won't mention his name, but he he is part of quite a few of the uh, Facebook groups, the Telegram groups, some of these um, trucker groups and freedom uh, convoy groups, and apparently they have got uh, all sorts of things popping up. Uh, Grassy Lake has has a. Uh, uh, looks like um, I'm, I don't have all the details whether in that area it's more of a slow roll, which means they're, the, the vehicles are just taking up the lanes and they're moving slowly. So traffic kind of gets stuck behind them or uh, an official blockade. So I don't know exactly what's happening at each location, but I do know that uh, near Grassy Lake, Highway number three, um, they've got something rolling there. Uh, highway number two at Fort McLeod. Um, I spoke with uh, Josh Van Herk, who was uh, set up there with, he said, about 30 other vehicles from semis to farm equipment to trucks and vehicles and SUVs and whatnot. So they've kind of done a staggered situation right near the Old Man River Bridge, um, just north of, of uh, Fort McLeod. 
And so they're doing a staggered situation on the highway. So, uh, you know, it, it slows down traffic considerably. Again, they're standing in solidarity. Uh, what uh, Josh said was they are going to sit there as long as it takes. And they said they're trying to take the heat off of the fellow truckers at Coots. Um, one of the things Josh was really frustrated with was some of the misinformation that's been spread, uh, including Jason Kenney announcing that um, RCMP officers had been assaulted. Um, you know, just uh, some of the bad press that's been put out um, that, you know, he says in an effort to try to turn people away from understanding the stand that these um, that these protesters and these truckers are trying to make. Uh, sounds like they are also uh, setting up something in Stavely. Uh, there's something near Red Deer. I heard Brooks, uh, something's going on there. Uh, they've got something on Highway 3 near Pincher Creek. Uh, sounds like uh, I even heard uh, over near Coaldale and Noble Ford. There is stuff happening everywhere in Alberta right now. And I'm hearing from some of these groups that this is going to be the case for, for quite some time. Uh, Josh says, we're not going to quit. He said, uh, some of us are fighting for our livelihoods. We are not going to give up. Um, until we see, uh, you know, some some relief from these mandates. Yeah, so th th that's what we're hearing too. A lot of those groups are in communication with this group, and uh, they're saying that they're going to continue slow rolling down the highway, keeping their rolling uh, rolling convoys going uh, to ensure that the MLAs continue to meet, to ensure that the dialogue stays open. And, and it's the same thing. These guys here. They, they lose their livelihood with this vaccine mandate. They can't work. They can't feed their family. They have wives, they have children. They, uh, they're, they're, they're desperate. And, uh, and they're showing today that, that they're willing to make some concessions. They're willing to say, hey, you know what? We don't deal in absolutes like you guys do. And, uh, and they're saying, let's, let's, uh, let, let's make some progress. Let's, uh, let's discuss what's happening. Let's discuss how we can make this change so that, uh, so that everybody can get back to work, so that everybody can take care of themselves. Uh, James, one of the questions I had was, and, and I, I have to assume by the fact that they are opening up some lanes right now, are they getting the supplies they need now? Are they getting the food, the gas, the fuel, everything that, um, that they needed uh, for the blockade? Yeah, earlier this morning, the RCMP actually let uh, the village of Coots get a fuel truck in. Now that fuel truck that came in is for the village of Coots. Uh, that, that truck will not be going around filling up the trucks. Uh, however, it, it does sound like a, a shipment of propane did get in. So uh, some of the heaters now have fuel for them. Uh, they're kind of negotiating how they can get diesel into some of these trucks. Uh, they're they're going to work on that. Uh, we've heard that there is uh, a couple of trucks coming down from uh, the Red Deer area with food, groceries and meals for these guys. Um, <clears throat> so some, some stuff is getting in. Now the RCMP still does have the area cordoned off. Uh, they're still only letting locals in. And uh, they're basically saying, uh, if you're here as a protester and uh, you're cold, you're tired, you're running low on fuel, you're welcome to leave at any time, um, but you can't come back. So uh, that's why a lot of these guys, they're still hunkered in. Uh, they've made good on their word. They've opened up the lanes. Uh, vehicles are, are, are able to get in and out of here uh, in, in the, uh, the left-hand lane now, no problem. Um, but uh, the RCMP still haven't opened up the area to traffic. 
They, so, and again, this is, I mean, there has never been, um, as far as I understand, there has never been uh, uh, a cutoff or, or the stoppage of any emergency vehicles in and out of the area. Uh, so, so safety was also a concern, uh, as I understand it, from organizers at the blockade um, all along. Yeah, that's right, Mel. They, they had always uh, planned to make sure emergency vehicles could get in. Uh, they let the, the mayor of Coots know that uh, they would be here. They let the mayor know that they would leave access for area residents, and they did. And, and I mean, I've been, I've been able to work my way in and out of this area, absolutely no problem, uh, for the last five days. Uh, it takes a little bit of navigation. It takes a little bit of time, but you can get in and out. And, and I understand that in an emergency, seconds matter, and, and you don't want to have an ambulance impeded. <clears throat> And uh, they, they've all been more than willing to move absolutely everything out of the way to get everything in and out of here. Uh, a lot of, again, a lot of thank yous, even thank you to you, James, for braving the cold. Uh, I know, I don't know if you need to go sit somewhere warm, but, but um, have you had a chance to speak with many of the locals? I have actually, I, I, I had coffee with a bunch of locals earlier this morning. And uh, that's, that's where, uh, a lot of the discussions about getting the lanes open. Uh, some of the locals basically said, hey guys, you know what? We really support what you're doing here. We believe in what you're doing here, but we need a lane open. We need a lane open in, other, in every direction. You know, our kids gotta go to school. We gotta get in and out. Uh, our residents are being, um, you know, they, they gotta show their IDs. They gotta say where they live. They gotta say where they work to get in and out of their homes. And uh, <laughs> they, they basically said, you know, we're, we're reaching that point where you're going to overstay your welcome. So let's, uh, let's show some good faith. Let's get some real discussions going. And the locals help drive those conversations. And, uh, and, and, and you know, the locals have been uh, helping them get supplies in. Uh, I know I showed earlier um, a video of uh, some, some of the protesters actually using toboggans and wagons to cross over a field to get fuel and food in here. Uh, sorry, uh, James, that last sentence to get, I, I didn't quite catch that. The last sentence was to get fuel in there. Yeah, to get fuel and food in here. I'm just going to hop back inside. Yeah, um, I was going to suggest. Uh, it it's, looks uh, it's unbelievably, the, the wind here is just cold. And you know, that that's part of it. That's part of uh, what happened and what was going on. It's just the temperature and the wind is, uh, it's low, it's cold. It's, uh, it's the, the wind chill is just crazy today. The blowing snow is just, it goes right through you. And, and that was part of it. The, the locals and the protesters knew that someone was gonna get hurt. Uh, you know, you're running low on fuel, fuel uh, somebody's gonna freeze and, and nobody wants to see anybody hurt. Nobody wanted to see any violence. Nobody wanted to see aggression. They just wanted to be heard. That's right. Uh, now, I, I spoke with uh, one of the RCMP officers on site there this morning who, again, did confirm um, there, was, there was the um, allegation that uh, some RCMP officers or, or law enforcement officers had been assaulted. Uh, again, just want to take that time to say that was, uh, that was actually not the case. There was no assault um, on any law enforcement officer by anyone. Uh, so um, we're, you know, we're, we're waiting for, we have received a statement um, from Jason Kenny, 
but no real retraction. Uh, also was hoping to see, and sorry, I haven't, I haven't uh, had a chance to check the, the Twitter feed from RCMP, but, um, but um, we, were, we were thinking that we would have seen the RCMP uh, come forward and speak out against that. And you had even confirmed with me this morning, um, you, you spent uh, a lot of time trying to get to the bottom of, of what assault happened. And um, nobody, could, nobody could reference any, any assault. No, that's right. We, we, we have asked everyone, the protesters, actually after Jason Kenney's press conference, the protesters began asking amongst themselves who assaulted who, what had happened. Uh, it, it, I, it, if the protesters would have found who assaulted the police, they would have turned that person over to the police themselves. These are not violent people. These are very respectful, very prayerful people. They are family men. They, uh, they are just concerned about the future for themselves and the futures for their families. That's right. And I've, and I've spoken with a number of uh, people that are involved in, uh, in the blockade at Coots, as well as a lot of people who are doing these sort of pop-up blockades that are happening in and around Alberta, uh, small towns uh, down south, uh, even coming up uh, as, as high I've heard as Red Deer. Uh, I think we're probably going to, have you been, have they been talking about some of these um, down at Coots, James? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it appears that they're, that, that through social media, all of these groups are, I, I wouldn't say that they're coordinating with each other, but they're talking to each other and they're supporting each other. And people that couldn't make it down here to, to this protest area have taken up protest areas across the province and uh, they're all showing support. And they, they've all said, you guys have opened up a lane. Good for you. We're going to keep rolling. We're going to make sure that the MLAs uh, meet. We're going to make sure that they have those discussions and we're going to support you guys and what you guys are doing down there. Okay. I, uh, just checking. Do we, have we connected with Chris again? Okay. So James, if you want to hold on or we can, I can touch back with you or do you have anything else that you want to update us on right now? Or maybe we can connect with you in a bit, uh, when you can again, get us in touch with, a, or have a conversation with, um, Chad Williamson, which is one of the lawyers that the group has brought down, who sounds like he's in a meeting right now. Yeah, so uh, we, we were lucky. We got a, a quick window there with, uh, with, with uh, Mr. Williamson. Uh, unfortunately, he had another meeting and then he had another interview. And uh, then just like most of us here, he needed to get a bite to eat. Uh, it, it's been a really, really busy day. Everybody's been going nonstop. So uh, I'm hoping that I can catch up with him later on today and uh, get a few words in with him. Um, but for now, I, I am going to go warm up. Uh, it yes. looks like the trucks are uh, mostly uh, clear, clearing that lane open now. Uh, and, and I'll follow up later with some more video after I see what else is going on here in a couple hours. Okay, sounds good. And we'll keep our, uh, again, our eyes and ears on what's happening with these discussions with the MLAs as soon as we, as soon as we get word. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks James. Lot, okay, go Thanks, warm Mom. up. All right, so it sounds like we have Chris again. Uh, Chris Scott was joining us uh, earlier, in case you missed it, um, uh, owner of Whistle Stop Cafe and you know, Freedom Fighter. And sounds like he has, so he is down in Ottawa. He was parked in a truck and chatted with us for a while. Chris, it sounds like you are now um, walking the parliament and uh, showing us what's happening down there. 
Yeah, <laughs> that sounds loud. Can you even hear me? There's a lot of people there. So this is Chris Scott live at uh, the Parliament buildings. Chris, can you hear me at all? I'm guessing that's a no. Uh, so we've asked Chris to, uh, to head down to the Parliament buildings and just show us what's happening there. Uh, show us what's happening on Parliament Hill, and here we are. A lot of Canadian flags you can see. There are the trucks. There's the Parliament. And of course, it is uh, 5.30 in Ottawa right now, so the sun's starting to set. Wow. I would imagine earplugs would probably be a, a much needed essential visiting the convoy. A lot of families, a lot of children. A lot of messages there from Canadians right in front of the parliament. Stand your ground. That's incredible. I really think that this, um, you know, this has been a, a real unifier for our country and for Canadians alike. Lots of comments, too, from people who are watching right now. Uh, a lot of people calling out uh, our Prime Minister right now, Justin Trudeau, for the hate speech. And... Uh, um, Jade says no one should lose their job if they don't want a jab it's criminal
You probably can't hear me, Chris, but Heidi says you are awesome and you speak the truth. Barb says, yes, Chris, you are right. Keep spreading good common sense and truth. Standard in Alberta right now. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Let's don't say hello, hello, Chris. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Someone's <laughs> a little shy. Uh, Chris, just, I don't know if you can hear me, but just getting a lot of, um, a lot of great comments about uh, what you're doing there. Thanking so you. Obviously, I, I, I can't hear anything anyone's saying, but okay. uh, you, get the, you get the picture. Yeah. Uh, Donnie says, Chris, you are such a great speaker. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> Can you hear me at all, Chris? I'm guessing not. Just a lot going down. Uh, this is the Parliament in Ottawa, and we are speaking with Chris Scott right now from uh, the Whistle Stop Cafe, who jumped in a big truck and drove across the country to uh, join many other Canadians uh, protesting the mandates and asking for the government to take them down. Uh, and you can see that um, it's not a small fringe minority. Um, and it's not... I'm going to walk down. Uh, yeah, it, it, it clearly is not, um, you know, a bunch of okay. radicalists. I mean, we've we've been seeing families down there. We've been seeing children down there. Um, people who really just want their freedoms back. Um, So we're walking away from the noise on the way on our way back to the truck to meet with uh, Mr. Shear. Oh, you're going to be you're meeting with Andrew Shear right now? Yeah. Wow. Well, that'll be an interesting conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. 
Very good. Uh, you know what? Uh, before I wrap up with you, Chris, if I could, I have uh, I had one comment um, that I read here from Linda. She says uh, she says go home. It's it's time for this to leave. What do you say to people who who say you know you've you've said your you said your piece. Time to go home. What do you what do you have to say? Well, I guess I'd say I, I understand your I understand what you're saying and and your frustration that this is continuing, but. Uh, you know, there's a lot of men and women here who are very committed to seeing this through and to encouraging the rest of Canada to stand up and demand that their government release everybody from these restrictions. And it's not just uh, unvaccinated folks or vaccinated or, or people that wear masks or don't. Um, they really are doing this because they want everybody to be free of this and they want to get to a place where we can start healing the damage that's been done. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody's going home anytime soon, but what I would say is that get out of your home, take it to the streets and tell your government that you've had enough and that's the quickest way to, to end this. Mm -hmm. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you for spending some time with us, giving us an update on how things are going in Ottawa. Uh, thank you very much again so much uh, love coming your way from viewers. A lot of people just thanking you for, um, for everything you've done. Uh, Gerald says, Chris, you're a great, honest man. Uh, you know, just uh, many, many comments here. Um, just thanking you for what you're doing. And thank you again for, uh, for taking us down to the Parliament buildings and, and letting us all see, see how things are looking and just get a, a, a really good feel for for the you know the the Canadians that are down there and that are really um, pushing for our country to be set right again and our country and our freedoms to be respected and uh, you know again it does not look like a a crazy fringe minority it looks like uh, a lot of really good Canadians that are that are banding together right now. Absolutely. Well, have a good conversation with Mr. Shear. I'll be uh, interested to hear how that goes. And I will let you know. All right. And Chris, you know what? We would love to check in yeah, with you again. So uh, uh, you and I will stay in touch, okay? We'll do another check-in with you and see how things are going. Sounds good. Thanks, Melanie. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Bye. And thanks to everyone for joining us. Um, I've seen a few people um, looking. You're, this is maybe... Um, you know, you're catching us, you've just joined in. Uh, you can go to our website as well and see some of the work that we do. We are an independent media. We don't take bailout money from, from the government. So we report on uh, true news and, uh, and we can bring you live coverage like this. Uh, and we, we try to be um, very transparent and very honest. And uh, so you can go to our website, you can go to westernstandardonline.com and uh, go to our membership page. You can check out our memberships. Uh, we feel that it's, uh, it's well worth what you get. Uh, you really do get what you pay for. Uh, it's $10 a month for a membership with us. And uh, um, I believe it's uh, 99 a year. Yes, 99 a year for, for a subscription. So it saves a little bit if you do a yearly subscription. And you will have access to our full stories website. We have a newsletter that goes out every morning with um, all of our stories that we do throughout the day. And uh, so we would really love to have you come on board and support us so that we can do more uh, coverage like this and we can maybe send reporters to, uh, to Ottawa 
and uh, and have them on you know boots on the ground there. So uh, we will keep you updated on uh, anything that comes of the uh, discussions that are happening right now at the Coots border with the MLAs and uh, the legal team that they've brought in. And again, uh, just thank you for joining us. Thanks for, uh, for supporting us. And we will check back in with you as soon as possible. I'm so happy that you came here to hunt the work. <laughs> when my cousins and I would be driving the back of the station wagon, we'd always you know, do this when the trucks would go by. And I want to do that. Yeah, I don't even, I don't yeah. even know where Pop it is. Up. This one right here. You have to do this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Video. Ready? Go. There's another one on the horn, too. Yep. It's just a little <laughs> Sounds like a Datsun. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're What's welcome. your name? Jessica. Jessica. Hi. Hi, I'm Angela. Hi, Angela. And Chris. And I am uh, joined by Mr. Maxime Bernier. And if anybody, if you, any of you don't know who Maxime Bernier is, you may have been living under a rock, but he is the leader of the People's Party of Canada. And Max has been a very vocal advocate for, uh, for civil rights, um, charter rights. Uh, he's, he's been sticking up for the underdog this entire time. I've had the opportunity to meet him multiple times. And, and in my opinion, Max is a... He's a, a down-to-earth, regular guy, uh, shakes thousands of hands, and he always takes the time to speak to people. So, uh, yeah, I, I, do, I do appreciate that about you, Max. It's, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to, uh, to speak to people who want to represent us. I think that's incredibly important. So uh, kudos to you for that. Uh, thank you very much. You know, uh, I like what I'm doing, and I like people. Uh, we at the PPC, we have a vision for this country. A smaller government in Ottawa that will respect our constitution, our rights, and won't interfere in provincial jurisdiction. So we are pushing, pushing and speaking about our ideas uh, since the beginning of the creation of the People's Party, and uh, and now you know growing uh, step by step. But um, I'm, I was in Ottawa with you uh, last weekend, and that was a I I, I must say an uh, historic weekend. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of fun, a lot of smiles. People know that the, the end is near uh, concerning all these mandates. And I want to thank the truckers and everybody there. You know, you, you did an amazing job. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wonderful experience. And I said this kind of from the beginning, not, not the very beginning, but close to it, that this, this seems to be the thing that Canadians needed uh, to get behind and they needed something to blaze a trail for them a movement to get behind something to show them uh, and help them feel like they're not alone feeling like what's going on in the country is wrong and that's happened we've seen a, a unity across Canada like anything I've seen in my life and one of the most one of the things that sticks out most to me about this trip is the media portrays this uh, this this uh, headbutting between Alberta and Quebec. We hear it all the time. And I've ran into so many Quebecers out here who are just the most wonderful people. Uh, they, they actually tell me that they feel for us what happened to us in Alberta and with my restaurant. And uh, it's there when, when you're, when you're face to face with people, there's no such thing as a provincial border. You just pull. And this, this uh, movement has really driven that home. 
um, considering we've got people from all provinces in Ottawa right now, all standing together, standing up for the same thing. So it's it's a beautiful Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you did that also uh, since the beginning and uh, standing up and speaking out for what you believe. And, uh, yeah, I know that politicians try to, uh, you know, say that Quebecers don't like Albertans, but that not, that that is not true. And um, in we uh, we saw a lot of Quebecers there last weekend. But I must say, like in Alberta, uh, Quebec wants uh, uh, more autonomy. And you in Alberta, you want more autonomy, less interference from the federal jurisdiction, from yes. the federal government in provincial jurisdiction. So we, we share a kind of a same uh, vision uh, for this country. Smaller government in Ottawa, provinces can do what they want, but not, that's not the case for Alberta right now with the Paris Accord and the mandates and all that. So, um, yeah, we are there to try to change that, absolutely. Yeah, we could be, we have the potential in all provinces to be very prosperous and if we can ever get out from under the thumb of a of a very interfering federal government, I think it will be a benefit to everybody. So I'm 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 excited to hear that there are people out there that believe in that. Yeah, and so, also just want to add because when I'm speaking about the equalization formula, people uh, think that uh, you know, oh, you know, Quebec receive a lot of yes, that's right. But what I'm saying to Quebecers, we must stop that and having a new formula that would be fair for everybody. They understand you just have to explain that to Quebecers. The challenge that we have, we have politicians in Ottawa, conservatives or liberals with no principles that, uh, you know, they don't have the courage to explain that, you know, we must be less generous and, and uh, having a policy that will, uh, <coughs> that will encourage provinces to develop their own natural resources. And that's not the case right now. So, uh, yeah, we, we are in the same boat and in the freedom boat, and um, I, I'm pretty optimistic for, for the future. And, and, and Mia, so one thing that I've noticed has, has uh, put a ha or tried to put a hamper on this movement is some of the things that our, uh, our, our current government is saying about what's happening here. Um, I've watched Prime Minister Trudeau say some things on, on video that I never, ever thought I would hear one of our leaders in Canada say. And I immediately thought about reaching out to you and some other, uh, uh, some other uh, folks that have, have had or held roles in government because you, you've had some significant leadership positions. And, and I think you, you have a really grasp on what it means to be a leader and the things that you should do and shouldn't do. And when I saw Justin Trudeau speaking about Canadians the way he did, calling them white supremacists and uh, um, racists and misogynists and, and the, the, just the, the things he was saying, it was hard to imagine that a leader would say that because th those things aren't true. I'm here in Ottawa. I haven't seen any of that. All I've seen is, is love, compassion, and a little bit of annoying horns. I'll give you that. Um, but it's been a very positive experience, and I haven't seen any of that. So to hear a leader tell the rest of Canada that they need to be angry at this group because of those things, it's troubling because people will believe it. They believe what our leaders say. So what, what, what's your opinions on that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it's troubling. It's uh, dangerous when you speak like that. But I'm not so surprised coming from Justin Trudeau. 
because during the last uh, the last general election, he was uh, using uh, fear and division to be able to win the uh, election, and now he's using the same agenda uh, today. But uh, you know, he is losing credibility. Uh, yeah. You know, the battle. And I always said that uh, for the last two years, uh, when uh, we started these uh, rallies across the country, and I said, you know, it's a battle to change the public opinion because we don't have real leaders in Ottawa. We have politicians that don't have any conviction and they are looking at the polls and, uh, you know, they're going with the wind. Uh, that's what Trudeau is doing. But now, after more than 22 months, uh, you know, that is changing. The tide is changing. And so the public opinion is, is becoming on our side, the freedom lovers. And, uh, and, and Trudeau is losing that battle right now and is losing credibility. But also the mainstream media are losing credibility because, mm -hmm. you know, read the mainstream media last weekend, it was about the same thing. Now the mainstream media decided to be the propaganda arm of the government. And yeah. that's what they're doing. That's why, you know, social media, independent media, uh, uh, alternative media uh, are the future in our country. More CBC uh, and CTV and uh, Radio Canada in French. So that being said, uh, because of the trackers, uh, you know, they are giving us hope that all that will end. And, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, we are winning the battle to change the public opinion. Uh, last poll, we're seeing that 54% of Canadians are fed up with the mandates. And mm -hmm. to, uh, in Quebec, we have Legault, that is the premier of Quebec, that said, you know, finally, I impose my... Uh, Vax tax, my punitive tax on unvaccinated people in Quebec. Uh, so that's a good news. Uh, in uh, also in Saskatchewan, the premier over there said, you know, I will end all the mandates and vaccine passports uh, in a couple of weeks. So we are winning that battle, and and, and we must, uh, I think, uh, we must thank Justin Trudeau and also Omicron. Justin Trudeau because what he did with the truckers, that policy saying that our truckers that were essential workers in the beginning of the pandemic, remember all our borders were closed for everybody except the truckers mm -hmm. and for them to be able to bring us food. And now two years after the beginning of the pandemic, they're saying these truckers are dangerous for the health of the population. And yeah. if not vaccinated, they were not vaccinated in the beginning of the pandemic. And usually a trucker is alone in his crowd. So uh, that's crazy, that policy to ask uh, uh, unvaccinated truckers to uh, be vaccinated. Or if not, if you cross the border from the state to go to Canada, you will have to quarantine for 10 days. That means that these truckers won't be able to work for 10 days. They cannot uh, afford that. And, and as we know with the statistic right now, 40% of the American truckers are not vaccinated, so they won't be able to cross the border. So, 
So that's a crazy policy, not based on science, not based on logic, not based on common sense. And because of that, the population looked at it and said, oh, what, what's happening there? You know, I don't yeah. understand. I, there's no argument in favor of that. There's no logic. There's no common sense. And it was easier to bring the population and saying, no, look at that. And it was that since the beginning of the pandemic. So that and also Omicron, because, you know, and I know I'm pretty sure that, you know, somebody that uh, uh, had Omicron and it was a cold, you know, Mm -hmm. news with that, uh, everybody can catch and spread uh, that virus. And virus is not dangerous for 99% of the population. And so now, now people understand when they turn on the TV and say, oh, Omicron is very dangerous, that, that variant is very dangerous. They know that it's not because <laughs> maybe they had it or they know somebody that had it. So put that two together, plus the work that we did and some organization did like, uh, you know, taking back our freedoms or mm-hmm. action. Canada, all these groups across the country, the, the, the work that they did the last two years. Um, so and now we have a momentum, and that's why I believe that now 54% of Canadians are saying enough is enough. So, so and the truckers are, are doing their job, they can be proud of that. And as you know, now other countries are doing convoy also uh, in Belgium, uh, in US, and so. It's, um, you know, it's a good time to be Canadians and you can be proud to be Canadians, uh, but we still have a tough time, but I believe the end will come. Yeah, that's, it's, it's very exciting what's going on, especially considering that some of these doctors and scientists uh, have actually made themselves available to speak with just regular people like me. I mean, I've had, I've had interviews with uh, Peter McCullough and, and Roger Hodkinson and Daniel Nagasi, like Brian Peckford. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And just the fact that they're willing to speak with someone like me and get the information out on, on my, uh, on my platform, it, it means the world to me and to, and yourself included. It means the world to me and, and the people that watch what's going on with my situation, because you know, that justice Adam Germain, he told me when he sentenced me that I needed to start following the science. And so here I am following the science and it brings me to Ottawa right smack in the middle of all these doctors that are saying the same thing that the path the government has chosen is wrong and we need to stop. So I, I do agree with you that we're on the, we're on the cusp of, uh, of, of these mandates being um, removed. And I think they're going to be removed slowly. And I'm sure the government's going to say it was their idea. It has nothing to do with the truckers, yeah. but we, we all know the truth. And going forward, I think our next job is to remember that there are laws and mechanisms in place that our government and authority can use to impose these restrictions on us. And we need to start looking at that and we need to start um, electing representatives who, who will look at those laws and, and, and prevent this from happening in the future. Because really, if it can happen now with something as, as statistically minor as COVID, what happens when we have something that's a little bit uh, worse than COVID, right? Yeah. We're, 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 we're never going to end it. Yeah, you, you have a point there. And that's why I always said there's two battles. The one to change the public opinion 
That's a battle that we are doing at the PD as a political party, but also the other battle that the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is doing right now, fight in the court. And mm -hmm. because you're right, we don't want that to happen in five or 10 days. Um, and, and we want to be sure that the co court will say, you know, that was illegal and unconstitutional these mandates. I understand that the Justice Center didn't win their cases uh, uh, that they presented in from the court in Alberta, in Quebec, in, uh, in uh, Ontario, and in other provinces. But they will appeal all these cases, and I'm pretty sure that they will win that battle in the court. It can take three years because I believe it will have to go up to the Supreme Court of Canada. But mm -hmm. that in three years, we'll have a strong decision coming from the Supreme Court of Canada saying that all that was unconstitutional. So next time, if a politician <laughs> wants to do something like that, we will be able to show, you know, it's against the Constitution. You cannot do that. They, the judges didn't have the courage uh, to say uh, at the first instance that it was against the uh, but I believe in three years, COVID will be behind us and the judges will be able to look at it, looking at the, at the Constitution, at what they did and having a decision. Because at that time, that decision won't have any, any impact uh, on government. So judges also are human and they know it, you, you need to have some courage as a judge to say, no, it's constitutional when you have 70% of the population that agree with all these governments are doing that. So that's why they lost all their cases at the first, uh, first sentence. But yes. uh, when they will appeal, uh, COVID won't be there and judges will be able to look at the, uh, at the law, at the constitution and a, a real a, a good decision based on our constitution. Right. And yeah, that's that's exactly it. So our our provincial court judges, um, for them to rule in favor of, of me, for instance, when it comes to existing legislation, uh, that's a very it's a very difficult thing for them to do, because in essence, they're saying that the law that was put in place uh, democratically through an electric government is is unlawful. And that's a big step to take for a provincial court judge, and they rarely do it. So yeah, you're you're exactly right. We're going to see a lot of this stuff elevated to Supreme Court, where that's you know they are responsible only to rule in favor of the supreme law of Canada, which is the Constitution Act 1982. So I do think we are going to see some results. And in saying that, I don't know if I have had the chance to mention this to you, but uh, my organization that we started last year called it's called WSFullSteamAhead.org. Um, we originally formed that organization to connect people that were affected by the mandates tell people that they're not alone, um, garner a, a big membership that that when I speak uh, in front of people, I'm speaking for the membership of this group, like-minded people. And we wanted to connect people with uh, lawyers and help them fundraise to pay for their legal expenses. For instance, somebody that got fired because they didn't take the job. Mm. So once we got thinking about this, there's a lot of people in Canada that have been affected. A lot of people have been have lost their jobs. And, and been affected in adverse ways. So we thought, you know what, why don't we do something different than anyone else has done? And we're actually gonna file a class action lawsuit against the prime minister, his office, uh, and any minister responsible 
for these mandates, the federal mandates on, you know, for instance, the vaccination mandate for tra transportation employees, right? CN rail, airlines, those types of things. And what we plan to do is we want to help the employee at the ground level, the person with boots on the ground who's doing the work, who got fired from, say, CN Rail because they weren't vaccinated. But we also want to bring CN Rail into the fold because we, we, we understand that CN Rail or, or these other federal transport companies are not necessarily our enemies. They've been put into that position by the federal government. Yeah. So we want to open this up to Canadians in every level, right up to and including the companies, so that in the end, it's Canada holding the government to account rather than just an individual holding their employer to account. And I, we've already had a, a pretty good start with fundraising to that, and we're, I'm hoping we're going to kick it off as soon as I'm back from Ottawa. This Ottawa trip kind of put a wrench in those gears. It should have been done by now, but it's it's very exciting to see the level of support that's coming from the people of Alberta and really all over Canada. Uh, who want to see some well, to um, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great idea and actually what i did last uh, friday i delivered a, a press conference in ottawa and i said to uh, the trudeau government you must end all the mandates but you must reinstate all the federal employees that lost their job because yes. not to have the two shots uh, the military and also the federal government uh, say the same thing to um, uh, federal regulated uh, industries like telecommunication, banking, and transportation. So all these people must be able to go back to their job and also they must be compensated for the time that they were not uh, paid and they were yes. not able to work. And also I said, if a Canadian doesn't want to go back Back to his job, and he must be able to have a several paid, like uh, a an, an, uh, person that will uh, be fired from from their job. So that was part part of my request and press conference, asking the federal government to do the right thing for Canadians. And and um, and I, I believe that what you're doing is the same at the legal in uh, using the court to do that. That's a great idea. The only problem is I, I think that the only thing that Justin Trudeau's government listens to, um, they will never listen to someone asking them to do the right thing. They're only going to listen to people who ask them to do what they think will get them more votes. Mm -hmm. And that's really, when it comes to leadership, I think that's, it's really pathetic. I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of politicians over there stick their necks out to do the right thing. And that wasn't always popular. And, you know, they go through some, trouble and some and some strife while they're doing it but in the end people recognize that they recognize the people who are doing the right thing uh they see it and they reward them with their loyalty so that's one thing that, that just justin trudeau's government is going to lack in the next little while is credibility and loyalty like this is uh the divide that he's caused in our country especially with the words that he's used to describe canadians um i i think it's for some of us, it's irreparable damage against the the uh, the governing party right now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, like you, Canadians will remember that. Uh, remember these uh, two years that they were not able to do what they want to do: mandate, curfew, stay-at-home orders, all that that was not necessary. 
Uh, and we have, like you said, the, the expert, the real expert, uh, Dr. Uh, Paul uh, um, uh, Paul Anderson. Alexander. Alexander, sorry. Yes. 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 And, and Roger also from Alberta, there in Ottawa. They spoke to the crowd and, and they started in the beginning. And the, the expert that signed the great uh, Barlington Declaration, they were right. They were right. Protect the most, the most vulnerable and let the population do what they want to do. Reopen the economy. So, so the, the, the future is bright and we need to, but we still need to be out there. We still need to ask people that will, uh, I said in my speech in Ottawa, be super spreaders of the truth and we will win because that was all based on lies, what they did to us. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, there was an excuse because we didn't really know but after a little while, when we started to get some data and understand COVID-19 better, um, the excuses disappeared and then it became, you know, there was, it was a more nefarious thing, right? So, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And yeah. I, I would like to point out something as well. Uh, our government has been telling us that their medical experts are telling them that this is what they need to do. And I'm really interested to know who these medical experts are and what their background is, because men like Paul Alexander and Robert Malone and Peter McCullough uh, Roger Hodkinson, they've been speaking out against this from just about the beginning. And Dr. Paul Alexander, for for example, he was the 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 chief medical advisor to the White House. Yeah, like that's no joke. And this man stuck his neck out to speak out and say, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong." So I want to know who the doctors were and and what training they had that would speak out against a man like that. It, it just blows my mind. Yeah, they're doing politics. They're they're like politicians. And they're bureaucrats. They, they they like to have power, and, and you know that was that was very great for them. Uh, you know mm -hmm. they had everybody listening to them and the politicians. So they're more politicians, bureaucrats than real experts. And but they were able to do that because of the uh, propaganda and the uh, ad uh, campaign that they did all across the country, uh, the federal, the provincial governments spend a lot of money in advertising on COVID, I call that propaganda, but also the censorship. You know, it was very yeah. difficult for real experts uh, uh, to, to be out there, to be in the mainstream media. But, you know, the time is on our side. People are looking at uh, uh, traditional media and independent media, social media. They're finding ways to find their, their news and and that's working because now more people uh, understand the situation so that's uh, that's an interesting time but uh, i can tell you that uh, these uh, medical experts from the government uh you know it would be very difficult next time to do something i believe that the population won't follow that they did that they did that once but next time it would be very difficult i, I agree and what you said about the media is is bang on. Um, it, it's I, I do want to say a little bit something about the independent media. One one of the things I like about these smaller groups, and especially media uh, Rebel Media, for instance, Rebel News, uh, they have basically stuck their necks out and and done what they can to stick up for the underdog through this whole thing. I mean, they the support they've given me in my fight for justice uh, regarding my business and what I've gone through. 
Uh, they've been there for me every step of the way. And I don't see any of the government funded media doing anything like that for anybody. So if you take the time to think about what that means to average Canadians who couldn't otherwise fight, and then having um, a news media company like Rebel Media sticking up for them, that speaks volumes about the uh, uh, the nature of the uh, the nature of their work and their commitment to to Canadians. So, so uh, yeah, thank you very much to uh, Rebel News for that. Yeah, yeah, True North, Rebel News, uh, and other also individual that are very serious and professional that they're doing their work also. So, mm -hmm. uh, no. Uh, you know, I was looking at the mainstream media during the weekend, and I was not surprised of their coverage, but I yeah. was a bit happy with it because the more they're doing that, the more they're losing credibility, and yeah. so, so that's uh, that's helping us when they're losing uh, their credibility. They don't have a lot, and and they cannot lose some. They don't have a lot of credibility, but uh, they're doing that every day. <laughs> Yeah, and you can only fool us so many times before we wake up and realize that what's yeah. going on. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's pretty much all I've got, Max. If you, unless you got anything else that you'd you'd like to say, I'll let you get back to your your evening there. Yeah, but first of all, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you and, and with your viewers. And you know, uh, we if they want to know more about us, about the PPC, they can go. On our website peoplespartyofcanada.ca and uh, as you may know we funded that created uh, that party based on four principles individual freedom personal responsibility respect and fairness and all our policies are in line with that we don't do politics by looking at the polls we have for this country and we know that we have the right vision we just have to be uh, to speak openly with passion and conviction and more people will come on board and so we will do that. We won't uh, change. And I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. And also, uh, I may be back in Ottawa this weekend or in Quebec City, because I know that some truckers uh, are looking to go to Quebec City, and that will be great. So we will, uh, we will follow that. And uh, I just want to thank the, the truckers and everybody and all these uh, organizations uh, all across the country that uh, for the last two years were there to fight with us to regain our freedoms and you are part of that so thank you very much well it's been my pleasure and thank thank you as well max um well there you have it folks uh Maxime Bernier and his thoughts and opinions on what's going on with the trucker convoy, the media coverage of it, and our Prime Minister's responses and attacks on blue-collar Canadians. So again, Max, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to seeing you again once you're in Ottawa. And maybe, just maybe, if I can convince my, uh, my driver, Gavin, here, uh, we might actually make the trek out to Quebec because I really, I really want to see Quebec City uh, this is a great opportunity, and if there's something like that going on, then I'd love to get out there and show my support to the uh, people of Quebec in their in their uh, quest for their rights and freedoms back. So, so let's stay in touch. Thank Absolutely. You. Thanks, Max. Have a good night. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye.